You know you've got to sing along. Don't you know This is the Cabinets HR Podcast, hosted by Jason Cabinets. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners, founders, and people in tech, startups, and HR. If you fall into one of these categories or are just curious about them, then this is the podcast for you. You will gain great insights from these great conversations. The Cabinets HR Podcast is brought to you by Cabinets HR. At Cabinets HR, we deliver HR to companies with 49 or fewer people by automating the HR process. We believe that you don't need a full-time HR person to receive full-time HR expertise. Hello, and welcome to the Cabinets HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cabinets. Our guest today is Melissa Strong. Melissa, are you ready to be great today? I am. Melissa is a CEO and founder of MyPeopleNow.com, a worker-first gig community for discovering new service providers and inspiring stories behind why they do what they do. Melissa also blogs at from, from welfare to millionaire.org and is on a mission to transform the social services system to one that encourages and supports efforts to, towards meaningful self-sufficiency. Melissa, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. So Melissa, what are you focused on right now? So in addition to where the site is today, we um, have just taken on a new project that we're calling the People's Accelerator. Um, and we are in the process of, of partnering um, with different organizations around town um, that work with underrepresented and underfunded um, entrepreneurs or solopreneurs, if you will, um, small business owners. Um, and and uh, specifically in talks with an organization called Urban Impact um, that helps these underrepresented uh, entrepreneurs get started with their businesses. Um, they just completed a project called Sharks at the Beach uh, where these people presented their ideas. And we hope to come in and sort of give them a, um, a tool to amplify uh, their business so that they can scale it and take it to that next level. Um, and the reason why this project is incredibly um, exciting for me is because I care most about making social impact. I care most about helping people who, when they say they're ready to pursue self-sufficiency, that there is a, a team of experts who say, we're here to help you get there. Um, and uh, this will also act sort of as a um, you know, model if this is successful uh, for us to go forward in the future with other service providers. Melissa, why is transforming the current social services system so important to you? Well, I, I grew up in extreme poverty and I, I grew up on food stamps and welfare and Section 8 and, you know, all of those programs. And I, I saw this massive failure in them to actually get people out of poverty. Um, it, it's almost as if um, dependency is built into the programs. Um, for example, let's say you're on uh, food stamps or the SNAP program and you go and you get a part-time job and you're finally making a little bit of money, your, your food stamp allotment is uh, reduced. And it's reduced almost like on a dollar for dollar basis to the point where it's like, what is the purpose of trying to get off of these uh, benefits if I'm just penalized for doing so? And in addition, I'm losing benefits like childcare and things that they provide and I have to now pay for that on my own. Um, and just to add in real quick, one of the reasons why that's a failure is that there are a lot of people that are on social services, um, they have sort of a, a tenuous uh, situation where they might be well enough to work during some weeks or months and then they might not during others. 
but getting going back and forth onto the different programs is incredibly difficult. Um, and so staying on the program just to have that security and safety becomes more important than experimenting with self-sufficiency. Melissa, did your idea for My People Now come first or did your wanting to change the social services system come first? Definitely the social services system changed, uh, came first because growing up, I saw so many people with so many in, in poverty, so many people that had so much potential and so much to offer the world but they just didn't have the medium that fit their current situation. And so they floundered. And, and, uh, and so honestly, these thoughts have been in my head all my life. Um, and then in college, I started studying sociology and started to see and learn how a lot of these issues are systemic. Um, and, and then ultimately that led to uh, my idea for My People Now. Melissa, back on April 4th, you did a LinkedIn post where you talked about, and this really, really spoke to me at the time because I was going through the same thing, where you talked about going from an aspiring CEO to a data entry clerk. Can you talk about that a little bit? I think everyone goes through that. They just don't talk about it enough, I don't think. Yeah, it's really hard when you're a bootstrapped founder uh, or I think a founder in general to know where to prioritize. And so, uh, you know, you kind of get yourself out there, you get media coverage, you're doing these pitch events, you're, you know, you're getting recognized. And as you're doing that, you're kind of neglecting a lot of this task-based work that involves actually making your company or product function. And um, yeah, that post just came from the fact that once we did get a little bit of media coverage, our site kind of took off unexpectedly. And I ended up with just hundreds of emails in my inbox every single day. And um, the problem with that is that because we weren't ready to scale, you know, they say, do things that don't scale, right? Well, we did things that, that don't scale and then it scaled and then our technology couldn't keep up with that. And so I, would li I literally had to manually enter every single person who registered on our site, which is fine if you have a couple dozen. We had hundreds, eventually thousands. And I finally... Finally, threw up my hands. I said, "Enough! We've got to just take a time out and actually code um, the the features that will automate this." And and then when that happened, uh, just this massive cloud was lifted, and uh, and then I was freed up to actually be a CEO again. <laughs> like I know a lot of people like they tell you, you know build an email list, you know, but email lists don't build themselves. You got to manually build them up, which takes time. And a lot of people don't realize all the ankle biter stuff you have to do as an entrepreneur until you build your team up. Yeah, definitely. Where is my people now available at now? Is it just in the Seattle area, statewide in Washington, or where, where, where can people sign up to it at? Yeah, so I'd say about half of the services on our site are in the Seattle area. The rest of the half are all over the country. Um, and then we have a few sprinkled around the world um, that are virtual services. Um, so each one of the providers on our site has a video chat room so they can do virtual services, um, you know, either through video chat or through email. Um, that goes into kind of what your last question was about the scaling, about the scaling and the LinkedIn post. Um, we never intended to go big really fast and that happened sort of accidentally. And that was part of the reason why that hurt us is uh, we were not, because we were not concentrated in Seattle, we couldn't get that critical mass going, which is, which is really important in marketplaces. Um, so we're actually sort of doing the opposite now, trying to scale back and move things back to the Seattle area um, so that we can really get Seattle right and then use that model to expand into other cities. Melissa, how does the platform work both from the, the gig economy person and the person wanting to buy services? 
Yeah, so for let's start with the helper. Um, so we, we call the providers helpers. Um, so uh, to be a helper, you just sign up, join, fill out you know, your bio, maybe throw up a, a photo or a little video introducing yourself um, and then put your services uh, online. Um, that entire process could take anywhere from three to five minutes. It's incredibly easy. Um, we do recommend really taking time to talk about yourself, your story behind why you do what you do so that uh, people yeah, just it piques their curiosity rather than you just being sort of another person who does X, Y, Z. You have a reason for doing that. Um, to be a pro or to be a, a a client on this site is just as easy. It's just a matter of signing up. You can send a message to any of the helpers on the site, ask them questions before you actually book them. Um, and then once you feel confident enough in in booking one of them, um, you just go on, go ahead, click request to book. You can pay for it, and then the funds will be held um, by the platform until the service is completed to your satisfaction. Um, helpers can choose to accept or decline the request, you know, of course, um, but we've never had someone decline it because people tend to like the extra business. <laughs> Melissa, how do you validate or certify these people actually know what they say they know how to do? Is a system for that? You just take them on the ward so they, do, they know what they're doing? Yeah, so great question. Currently, we, we do not do any vetting ourselves um, of the service providers. Couple reasons for that, it, it would be very time and resource intensive. And the other thing is that we don't want to give our stamp of approval on people that we aren't really, really sure that we would recommend. Um, so I'd like to say that our current iteration is a little bit more of, of a community-based Craigslist where people actually have profiles and can get to know one another. Um, but, but people still need to do the vetting of one another just like they do on Craigslist. Um, where we're moving though in the future is, is actually to more social validation. So let's say that I trust Gavin, the graphic designer, and he does great work for me. By virtue of that, some of my other startup founder friends might go ahead and book Gavin because they know, well, if Melissa trusts him and he does good work for Melissa, then he'll probably do good enough work for me. So by adding that social validation layer, we're hoping to uh, avoid the vetting process altogether. Melissa, what kind of a uh, safety uh, checkpoints you have put into your system? Uh, you mean in terms of the providers? Yeah. Uh, so we don't we we don't have any, and 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 another reason for that, just you know, just from my background, is you know there the U.S. has a major incarceration problem, and. Part of the problem of that is what do people do when they do have a background and they do fail all the background checks and they can't get a traditional job? What are they left to do? Then they, they're left to kind of, you know, figure things out on the side. Ultimately, we feel like that leads to them, you know, getting, getting in trouble with the law again. Uh, we want to provide a platform where, whether it's virtual services or in person, where anybody can prove themselves and prove their worth um, without us saying, no, because of your background, you're, you're not allowed. Um, and all of the gig economy sites you know, out there today, like you know, I've signed up for Uber, they do these extensive background checks and things like that. But, but does that really ensure that I'm going to provide a good service experience just because I don't have a background? And alternatively, does someone with a background do they never get to live outside of that shadow and, and prove themselves economically? And so uh, that's just another area that we'd like to address. Melissa, who is your, like your stereotypical helper on the platform? Is it like a single mom? Is it someone in college, a certain age? Is, I mean, I know they're all over the place, but is it like a, tip, a typical demographic? Yeah, um, that's, that's an interesting question. I don't, I don't exactly 
think that I know that yet. I could say that the service providers that I work with personally, um, you know, it's equally male, female. Um, I'd say that the majority of them do not have kids. I think more of the these service clients have, have children like myself and you need more help. Uh, but these are people who already have jobs um, and they do this on the side either because they just enjoy it. For example, our, our tutor, he already has a, a full-time job, but he decided that he wanted the uh, challenge of teaching someone how to, how to learn math. And so, and he was good at math, had a degree in math. And so he decided to offer tutoring on the platform as sort of, not just for the money, but as more of personal fulfillment. So Melissa, is it more people come to you to become helpers on the platform or you, or you have to go out and re recruit people to come become helpers on the platform? Uh, people just come organically to help on the platform. We haven't, um, we've virtually spent $0 on advertising and we have about 44, uh, 4,500 people on the platform today. So um, there are people who hear about it either through word of mouth or through um, just getting advertised on other other sites. Um, and so, yeah, luckily, luckily we've, we have a really good mix of people uh, who can do a whole range of things from your standard run-of-the-mill house cleaning and, and, you know, dog walking kind of services to intuitive healing or life coaching. Um, it's, it's all over the place and, and that's exactly how we wanted it. So Melissa, next question. So how, how are you doing as far as like repeat users, like retaining customers? How's that going for you? Yeah, I'm actually really happy about that. 60% um, of the services that are booked on the site are booked by, uh, are booked where one, of, one side of the transaction has already booked a service before. So to us, that, that confirms that people don't just want to get one thing done and then go away. They want to get multiple things done. Um, which is excellent for us. So, and what other places besides Seattle can people use the platform? Um, currently, all over the country, especially if you provide virtual services like graphic design or you know digital marketing and things like that, um, you don't need to be local to Seattle. So, Melissa, you're pretty uh, uh, active in the Seattle startup community. Can you talk about your involvement with that real fast? Yeah, um, I, I, you know, about a year and a half ago, just realized, wow, I don't know anybody in Seattle, period, let alone in the startup community. And so I started uh, joining different groups and going to different events and just being a good, authentic person who want, wanted to see other people succeed. Um, and so a couple of the groups I've joined are you know, Founders Live, the Female Founders Alliance, um, the FBOM Breakfast Group. Um, and the reason why those are important is they're, they're filled with peers who are there to cheer you on and to remind you that you're not a weirdo, that starting a company is really actually that hard and that what you're going through is very normal and they believe in you um, and you can keep going. So I think that all I have to say about that is, is be a good person first and you know give resources and, and ideas first. And eventually if you need something from your network, they will more than be more than happy to help you out. Um, and so it's been a great experience getting to know the Seattle startup community. Melissa, what would you tell someone who's just starting out in the process? Like, okay, you know, I have this great idea. I know no one, I know nothing. I just have this idea. What would you tell them to do or not to do? I'd say don't try and shove a marathon into a sprint. You know, there's this big narrative, especially in Silicon Valley, which is where I'm from, that, oh, you got to go big, go fast or go home. It doesn't have to be that way. And, and you might, you know, 
you might suffer emotionally and mentally and physically in the process if that's the way that you try and approach your your startup. Um, maybe that way's work worth you know going to work for you. But for me, I found that I had this just just adrenaline, nervous energy just driving me every day. Go go go, fast fast fast, and it was just crushing me. And finally, I realized. Hey, there's no gun to the back of my head. There's no one saying, hey, if you don't figure this out in a couple of months, we're, we're canceling your ability to do a startup. I realized I was in charge of how fast I wanted to go and I could do it in a more uh, intuitive and, and heart-centered way that, that was not taxing on my body and mind. So definitely keep that in mind. <laughs> I know for me personally, I've definitely learned patience these last couple of years my startups. You know, it's never fast you want something, you know, so I've definitely learned patience. Yeah. The last couple of years. Melissa, talk some, you know, as an entrepreneur founder, you, you, you have to do everything, marketing, sales, business development, fundraising, 20 different things. How have you personally tried to like manage all this stuff, like without, you know, going crazy? Huh, woo. Um, I, I know I've heard a lot of people, you know, say delegation. You know, I, I've tried to delegate the things that I, that are really not um, in my wheelhouse, you know, technology uh, for one graphic design. I'd say do the things that make you really excited and try and ask for help on the things that are just, that you're just kind of beating your head against. Um, the also, the other thing I have to say is that you're not ever going to get it all done and you're not ever going to get it all done perfectly. And my, my email box, my email inbox is, is embarrassingly full. I try and do as much as I possibly can. Um, but ultimately every day I, when it's, when something new comes up, I ask myself, is this, is this impacting the world positively like I want? Is it good for myself, my family, my children? Um, and it, will it help bring our business forward? And if it can't meet those criteria, then it's, it's honestly something that can be put on the back burner. And Melissa, you have a team that helps you out, correct? Yeah, yeah. So can you tell about somehow you, you know, quote unquote, recruited this team to come be a part of your, your company? Yeah, well, I had to marry one of them. <laughs> I'm just hey, kidding. Whatever it takes. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, it's funny because I, um, my next door neighbor was a software engineer, and I asked him if he would help code our site, and ultimately now that is my husband. Um, <laughs> so that's why I make that joke. But um, it's it's tough. But you know, here here's the thing. And in, in terms of recruiting, I've, I feel like I've been incredibly lucky to have the people on my team that I do, because. All I do really is I tell them how grateful I am for the work that they do. And for some reason, that's good enough to keep them happy, even though I can't pay them a ton. And even though the work is, is just sometimes it's, oh, do this. Oh, wait, now do that. They, you know, go in this direction. And you think, gosh, how, the, you know, the average person wouldn't want to put up with that. Right. But if you consistently tell them, hey, thank you so much, or wow, your work is incredible. I appreciate you. And you're genuine and coming from your heart you can get really great talented people that work for you and, and who are cheering you on and, and, and um, hoping that you succeed and they want to succeed with you. That's great advice, Melissa. And sometimes all it takes is this to be sincere, say thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing how many people don't do that in this day and age. Yeah. Or, to, or you know, just these expectations. I mean, let's face it. We all have expectations on us, you know, with, with my team, I try and take a, the approach like this, as long as, as long as the person is a good person, which I only hire and work with good people, if they need to take a day off, if they have a wedding to go to, or if someone's sick in the family and they can't meet their deadline, I get it. I've been there. And so I'm not going to, 
uh, alienate them by penalizing them. I'm going to let them know that, hey, I understand. And I think ultimately that causes them to work even harder. So Yes. It amazes me like some people like have a startup to have the opposite attitude. You're not paying your people, but then you have these draconian measures and then you wonder why your people are leaving. <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's not sustainable, I guess, in my opinion. <laughs> no, it's not. Melissa, I understand you have something for our listeners today. Yeah, I do. Um, we would love for you to check out the site. Um, we, Like I said, we have thousands of people on the site who offer every service you could possibly imagine. And so if you'd like to check it out and, um, and save some money in the process, um, you can use code KIRKLAND1A. Or uh, to save five dollars off of a service, twenty-five dollars or more, or you can use the code Kirkland One B to save ten dollars off a service of fifty dollars or more. Um, and that's just use that at checkout. And uh, yeah, we know that you'll have a great experience. And if not, send me an email and I'll help. <laughs> so you're in charge of customer success too, huh? <laughs> of course, my background is in sales, and sales is really driven by customer success and experience. So yeah. <laughs> Melissa, another thing I like about your site is you have something there called things called karma dollars or karma. Can you explain how that works? Yeah, so karma points, karma points are cool because they can help you save money. You earn them every time you book a service or provide a service. But really, that goes back to my commitment to changing social services. When you, as I mentioned before, when you are on um, different social government programs, again, you're penalized for making real money. Um, but what if you actually need someone to clean your house or you need someone to house it or something else and, and you don't have the money because you're on a, a fixed income, you can actually sort of build up this social capital through karma points, through helping other people. And then when you need help, you can take those and use them to get the services that you need. So, um, yeah, currently right now, every service that's booked, each side of the transaction earns 10% back in karma points and they can be used dollar for dollar. Melissa, can you give us your social media links for both yourself and your company so people can reach out to you? Yeah, so I could pretty much be found anywhere with these slash my people now. So twitter.com slash my people now, instagram.com slash my people now, um, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, it's all the same. <laughs> and so we'll have the, the links to her code and our social media links on our show notes. And you can find the show notes at www.cabinchrblog.com. And also be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Kevin Central podcast on either iTunes or Amazon Alexa. Melissa, we'll come to the end of our talk. Can you provide us any uh, wisdom or advice on anything you want to talk about? Yeah, the last thing I'll say is this. If you're a founder, stop taking advice from people who aren't rooting for you to succeed and who, aren't, who don't believe in your idea. Um, it's very easy to hear someone's negative comments or opinion and say, oh gosh, I got to change direction. Oh, now I got to go here. Are they invested in you? And do they understand your space? If not, smile, nod, and move on because you know the vision and, and nobody knows it like you do. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great advice because if you did that, you'd be changing, you'd be pivoting like every hour on the hour pretty much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Melissa. Thank and to you, our listeners. So Thank you, Thomas Wall. Remember to great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cabinet HR Podcast. Be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, and TikTok at Cabinet HR.
Also check out our weekly live streams at the Kindness HR Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Periscope, where we focus each week on an HR topic important for small business. These are every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and last around three minutes. To join our weekly HR email newsletter list, send us an email to jasonkavnis at kavnishr.com. Thank you, and remember to be great every day.